We're going to have a different conversation here. We're going to move on. And I started the show by talking about uh, the fact that I came into work today. And Daryl, who does the morning show here on 630 Chet, had his dogs uh, in the station today. He's done sports a bunch of times. And and, and when I say Daryl's dogs, um, at least one of them, Daryl's dog, Duke, uh, is, uh, well, it's a great Dane. And it's it's enormous. I, I don't know. He's told me before what it weighs. I think, Sarah, do you remember what? He, 120, 150, something like that? 160? I thought he said a 140. 140? Somewhere in there. Yeah, it's uh, it's a it's a big dog. Really, really, it's kind of, you know, I'm six foot four and he walks over and he's pretty much waist high. Like, he's a big, big boy. And he also had his other dog, Twiggy, here with him today, who's um, pretty much a black lab, pretty close. Good dogs, well-behaved dogs, and I think everybody looks forward to having dogs here. Who doesn't? I mean, I'm sure some people who don't like dogs, but um, by and large, uh, I think it's a positive thing. Um, not always, but because of the pandemic, now we've done stories before about so many people adopting dogs, remember that, over the course of the pandemic, that now we're in a situation where as we're starting to in some places, return to work and it's back to the office and all the rest of that stuff. People who adopted dogs over the pandemic are now saying, uh-oh, what do I do with the dog? And they're starting to seek out and encourage employers to make pet-friendly workplaces. It's really important to some of them. So to get some details on where this might be headed, we're going to chat with Tina Sharifi, who's a PhD candidate in human resource management at York University. Tina, thank you for joining us. I appreciate you being here. Thank you so much for having me. So this is sort of the new reality that we've created for ourselves, right? Because we know over the course of the pandemic, a lot of people took on pets that maybe hadn't done it before. Yeah, absolutely. So the numbers was something like one in three Canadian households acquired a pet. And about a third of those uh, households were first-time owners. So that number was quite dramatic. Great story, but... Uh, Quite a quite a shocking number there. It is. It's a big number. And like you say, great story. Sure, that's fantastic. Unfortunately, we know not all of those adoptions stick. And that's part of the issue here because now that we see, you know, life going back to the way it was for a lot of us and returning to the office, we've also talked to shelters that have seen massive, massive increases in the number of surrenders. People who adopted some of those pets found out it wasn't so easy as things changed back to whatever it might have been, and now they're surrendering the animals all over again. Yeah, that was sort of the sad news story. It started really great. As you as you recall, basically, at the outset of the pandemic, we saw basically shelters talking about how their whole facility was cleared of pets, which was really great to see. And then, unfortunately, as we kind of transitioned uh, out of the pandemic, so to speak, uh, there was more calls to come back into the office. And then not to mention, you know, the cost of uh, managing a pet, a cost of uh, caring for a pet can be quite high and inflation and cost of living is expanded too. And so that's really impacted the way that we are able to now uh, care for our pets moving forward. And now we're seeing a lot of interest and a lot of um, people saying, you know, what we need is is pet-friendly workplaces, right? That's sort of an emerging thing that we're seeing now. Yeah, absolutely. And I would really position this as something very similar to the way that we talk about other caregiving responsibilities. So employers have been really great when it comes to work-life balance, flexibility, developing this wellness culture to support employees with kids and other caretaking and caregiving responsibilities. And as we see more of the workforce adopt and continue to have pets, and enter the conversations of 
hey, you know, my dog or my cat is as important of a family member, almost like my child, if not my child. Um, also, these uh, employees are looking at organizations to help support them with those caregiving responsibilities as well and find options to support them uh, in any ways that they can in, in the same way they do for kids and right. uh, other responsibilities. So it's not just being able to bring your pet to work. It's sort of changing the way we view um, how important that pet and pet owner relationship is and putting it, you know, sort of on the same level as another family member. A hundred percent. Really what we're trying to outline uh, in our article and as we continue this research is that we just want employers to recognize that pets are part of our families uh, and they're important parts of our non-work responsibilities. Uh, and so that doesn't necessarily have to mean bringing your dog into the workplace. That's a big uh, effort by organizations that we don't expect every company to adopt. It can simply mean, hey, can I have, you know, the afternoon to take my cat to the vet? Uh, you know, pets are costly. So can we incorporate any type of uh, pet benefits into our compensation packages? Uh, can we have a week off if a pet, you know, has unfortunately passed away to grieve the loss of that pet? It's just really recognizing that your animals are part of your family the same way, you know, other members of our family are. How important has it become? Like, I, I know you've done some work around how much emphasis people are putting on pet-friendly workplaces, you know, if they can take them into work, or like you say, they're more considerate. I mean, is it sort of a make or break for some people as they're seeking out employment? Yeah, this is actually a really good question. So in 2022, they did a survey, and they found that six uh, in 10 pet-owning workers actually left their job for a pet-friendly workplace environment and seven in 10 were willing to trade pay for a pet-friendly office. Uh, and this is actually really important uh, when it comes to millennials. So they are a really interesting demographic because they're about 32% of the working uh, cohort, and they are now the biggest pet-owning household. Uh, and so on top of that, they're either delaying having kids or just not having kids at all and adopting pets. So like our pets are our children uh, when it pertains to uh, the millennial population. Um, so it's becoming increasingly important to start recognizing that as an employer and how you can support uh, the millennial population and very likely the Gen Z population that will continue to enter the workforce. I can just imagine being a business owner or a manager sitting out there listening to this and going, okay, I, I'm on board. I, I, I can see the upside here. <laughs> But I, I don't want to be running a dog park. At the, I mean, how, how, is, is there a way that they can do it and still feel like they're not just sort of abandoning all caution and turning it into chaos? Yeah, this is a really great question. Uh, of course, and we outlined this in our uh, article as well, there's health and safety uh, issues to take into consideration. Some people are allergic. There could be potential for damage or Honestly, if you see a dog in the office, it's kind of distracting. You want to pet the dog. Um, so to kind of mitigate that chaos, you know, it's really important for the organization, if they want to have pets enter the workforce, to be very careful, to be very thorough. For example, get certifications for the dogs they're bringing in. Make sure there's maybe a uh, designated area for their pets. Uh, have human resource there for health and safety. Make sure there's you know, uh, areas to dispose of waste. So it's, you know, not a completely chaotic environment, but we also understand that maybe it's not for everyone to yeah. have pets in the workplace. So that's why, you know, we incorporate the low commitment types of strategies, which are simply, uh, you know, introducing uh, pet uh, benefits into the compensation package, 
allowing for more of a flexible schedule so you can, you know, be there for your animals for appointments, et cetera, um, or even offering uh, and partnering with other organizations for discounts, say like PetSmart or other types of uh, pet stores to help with costs and things of that nature, just to indicate that you're thinking of your right. employees and you recognize that it's important. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's uh, that's a good place to start. Tina, it's a very, very interesting conversation. Thank you so much for being here today. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance (laughs) recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.